What is up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by It's Your Boy Joey, It's Your Boy Bo, and It's Your Boy Brady, and today we're talking comics again, boys. It's been a few weeks because we've been doing adult stuff and, and living lives and getting caught up in things, but we're, we're here and we're talking comics. How are you boys feeling today? Doing wonderful. I am drinking some hazelnut coffee out of my Batman mug, and I'm ready to talk some comics. Batman mug on a Marvel podcast. This man's crazy. I don't own a Marvel mug, I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> what about you, Bob? Fix. I'm doing okay. Thank you, Brady. I'm a little stuffy, a little, a little sniffly. I don't know why. I, just, I think it'll pass with time, but I'm drinking uh, normal Keurig coffee out of a normal plain black cup. So I feel how my coffee looks, just quite blah <laughs> but let's do this let's do this so wait um, wait wait brady how are you doing yeah. bud how yeah, am i what doing kind of, oh. what kind of coffee are you drinking i am drinking um donut shop coffee blend from my local grocery store with um about a quarter of the cup filled with white chocolate uh creamer Bruh. It, great. it sounds great. It does sound good. Donut shop coffee is good. I need to get back on that creamer train for sure. <laughs> I did switch over to uh, the Duncan pods to see if that would bring any spark of joy into my life. And it tastes like every other coffee pod I've put in my in my Keurig. I need to descale that thing, apparently. They keep flashing that message at me. You guys ever descaled a Keurig? I don't use a Keurig anymore, unfortunately. I've never scaled a Keurig. <laughs> See, I the thing about, scaled. The, the thing about Keurigs is everyone said they're, like, bad for the environment and that you gotta, you know, that that's bad and you don't want to be a bad person. And so I, I stopped, you know, I stopped using them for a little while. And then I just got, it was just so much easier to not have to buy the pods and just buy a big old thing of actual coffee. So then I just yeah, got lazy. I, I spent if a big was, old thing of pods. If I was a person that drank one cup of coffee a day, I might buy a Keurig, but I would go through six K-cups every single day, so I just use a pot. There's no way. That's an impressive amount of coffee, Joey. Well, I guess if I I counted the coffee that I drink when I work at, like, the hospital, maybe, because you're strictly at home and you're going straight back to that pot. Yeah, I would say I'm... I'm about... Four cups minimum every day. Oh, okay. Usually Congratulations. Two, two or three in the morning, and then uh, you know, one one to two in the afternoon. Mm, and uh, that's that is impressive. I fear for your heart, but uh, <laughs> uh, other 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 than my coffee choice, I'm doing pretty good this week. Um, you know, the life's the work life stuff is is crazy stressful, but I found. I mean, I knew this, but uh, we haven't talked since I moved in. But my neighbor across the street's an Ohio State Buckeyes fan, just like I am. So he invited me over for the game today. So I might go meet a make a friend and shake a hand or two. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a positive mood. Are there going to be other people over there? Or are you going to just shake both of his hands? <laughs> Probably just both of his hands. But he does have a a family, so I'm assuming they will be over there. My wife will be at work, so if he is a serial killer, I am in trouble. Well, but we'll uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Well, that sounds like normal human interaction and a good quality time around a, a pastime and an American sport. Let me ask you this, Brady. 
mm-hmm. outside of making friends and watching football, what's the nerdiest thing you've done these past two weeks, my guy? Ooh, nerdiest thing that I have done the past two weeks. Well, we did kick up our D and D campaign again. That I am, uh, that I am in with uh, some friends from from high school uh, with. Keenan, if you guys know him, Keenan Anderson, uh, Alex Walsh, and Adam Boleyn. So uh, I'm a, officially a D&D nerd again. It's been, uh, been a fun time. En- Did enjoying you ask that. we know Keenan? <laughs> Did well, you- yeah, I, was, I was saying it out loud, knowing that you guys know him, and you guys probably know Walshy and Adam, but I was, you know, we've got a podcast, and me, other people may not, and they may Facebook him and go, oh, I know that guy, you know, somebody, or maybe they don't know him, they just want to see him and stalk him. I just gave out their information to the world, but, you know, yes. just, just, just out loud asking. So, well, Brady, like, you guys have already you. started playing, or how, how does one kick off a, a D&D campaign? Are you yeah. kicking up where you played before, or from, from scratch, or... We had been playing for uh, a few months, and then uh, a bunch of people had vacations and time away. And usually, if you've ever played D anD D, that means you guys are done, and there nobody's coming back. So it was uh, refreshing to have people come back after a few months. So, well, Brady, can I follow up and ask character, name, race, class, and thirty second backstory? Uh, okay, I got you. Uh, Mingren is his name. He is a uh, Dragonborn Sorcerer, which is basically a dragon human. Um, and the quick backstory is uh, he is a dragon, a red dragon that is addicted to fire as much as someone could be like addicted to something else. So I, I, I said he's like a drug addict, but for fire. So it's been a uh, fun time going through and the DM has thrown little pieces of fire everywhere and I get distracted like a kid in a candy shop. And it's been awesome. I love it. I love it. Dragonborn, the one I, I think I've never actually seen in a D&D campaign, although I've only ever played in one and a half in my life. <laughs> I'll have to get one going. I'll have to get a Marvel one going. They're out there for uh, you guys sometime. I still think, but, yeah, uh, that Marvel role-playing game would be pretty cool. I've, uh, I've never done anything like that, but I have so much spare time in my life that why not? <laughs> uh, well, that is why two months went by without us going. But what's the nerdiest thing you've done, Bo? And then we can ask Joey. Um. Well, not that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that that <laughs> sounds pretty cool. Um. I I've, I've been working a lot. That's pretty nerdy. But the other day, I uh, I haven't been to my local cop. Uh, I almost said coffee shop. I've been to my local coffee shop. I don't have one of those. It's my Keurig. I haven't been to my local comic shop in quite some time so the other day after work i swung by world's greatest comics in westerville ohio freaking awesome shop both for like figures and for comics and strangely enough even though i have my marvel unlimited i was not going there looking for figures uh mm. i've got plenty of those i was going there looking for comics and specifically i mean i browsed through there was some cool stuff in there like i think i sent you guys the picture of that avengers box set that has like mm-hmm. pretty much every main Avenger story in there in this awesome like cardboard fold-out display. It was dope. Um, but I went in there because I currently owned Civil War 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, and 7 of like the main title. And I kind of wanted to make like a display of that. And I didn't have five. My wife bought me these for my birthday. Um, and five was a variant cover of like the Punisher. It was pretty dope, but like it didn't go with the rest of them. So I stopped mm-hmm. in and they had issue five and I grabbed it for a couple bucks and I left and it looked super cool. Uh, so I bought a comic 
Even though nice. I have the Marvel Unlimited subscription. I think I'm coming up on the end of my year subscription, though. Well, I'm telling you right now because I have been asked, because I also am a collector of the physical. So uh, I have a, D- a DVD slash Blu-ray collection of all of these Star Wars. And I am in the process of building out the Marvel. The problem is Marvel is still super expensive. But uh, I, I have a physical collection. Everyone's like... You have Disney Plus, why don't you uh, just watch it there? And I say, screw them, you know? I'm with you, Bo. Man, whoever said that to you needs to clear out those nostrils a little bit. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Joey, what, what, what was your nerdy thing? Oh, boy. I did a lot of nerdy things this week, I feel like. Um, I'll, get, I'll give an honorable mention. It was I, I. I feel like it shouldn't count because we are the Comics Over Coffee podcast. But I. I read a lot of comics last weekend. In the time that we would have otherwise been recording this podcast, I think I read like ten to twelve X Men comics. Which is, if you listen to the podcast and um, you know know me, I have not been an X Men comic fan at all at any point. But. I'm diving into the new X-Men uh, stuff by Jonathan Hickman, and, and it's pretty good. Um, but Did I, you cross I, off both House of X and Fall of X? House of X and Powers, Powers of X, that's yes. The one, I'm sure Fall of X uh, is out there somewhere, but that's the current one, isn't it? <laughs> so that was the lead-in to like the current X-Men era, essentially. That was back in 2019. Um, they were each 12, or it was 12 issues total. It was each of those series was six issues. I would say if either of you read them, which if you're going to dive into modern X-Men, I, I recommend it. You have to read them at the same time. The If you read House of X number one, the last page says two series meant to be read as one, and it gives you like the order to read them in. Um, so if you're going to read it, definitely read both of those series. It's kind of intertwined you need the story from one to uh, to fully understand the other but it was pretty good um but like i said i don't think that counts as the nerdiest thing i've done this week okay i'm I'm gonna go to the book that i've been reading an actual book boys like physical pages inside were there were there pictures of superheroes in it punching each other (laughs) i will say there is the occasional picture of a superhero punching another superhero or supervillain because it's a book about marvel comics so this is a book called all the marvels i texted you guys about it it's about this guy that um through i think 2015 (laughs) to 2020 he spent like all his time reading every single Marvel comic that has ever been published. Um, so he is one of, I'm sure, one person in the world that has read the entire Marvel canon. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's just about his, you know, um, his his journey through the comics and then some of the things that he's found. Um, you know, each each chapter kind of follows a different thing. Like there's a chapter about, you know, the Spider-Man story there's a chapter about some of the new modern avengers things that we're reading um it it was it's a really cool book i got about two chapters left but i i read probably 200 something pages in the last two weeks so we have a goal for the new goal for the podcast then right no because i'm assuming half of those chapters are like chapter three my wife left no, I'm talking more. Uh, we've got to become the second through fourth person who have read the entire Marvel canon. You know what I'm saying? 
um, I did the math. I think I sent you guys the math a little, a little while ago. Mm-hmm. If you were to dedicate two hours even of your day, which is, I feel like that's a lot to dedicate to reading comics, two hours every single day. It would take us like a decade to read all of Marvel comics. All right, time to get that going. Was, that was including like the new stuff coming up to catch up. Yeah, it would, it would, I think, basically take us 10 years to catch up and then an additional like couple years to then get caught up on what we missed while we were getting caught up. That's pretty crazy because I feel like I could dedicate two hours a day to stuff that's just coming out right now and still not be caught up. Oh, yeah, it would take an enormous amount of discipline. Agreed. Well, guys, we did read some comics. Uh, we we did it together. We read a story. Um, I'm gonna be honest here. This Joey, your recaps are probably gonna be a refresher for me because it seems like forever ago that we assigned this reading, and we're just now getting around to the recap of it. I typically like to like read it right up until the the morning before, so it's sitting there fresh in the noggin. And I, just like you, have read so much stuff since then. I started going back and reading all the old Avengers back from Avengers one, uh, just because I, I like to see all the iterations of the team and like all the different story arcs there. Um, and yeah, it's I, I helped back into that kind of long, drainy, <laughs> kind of hard to get through Avengers, but uh, I'm for some reason enjoying it more this time. But yeah, so I've got all those fresh off the dome. Uh, but Avengers versus X Men, this was my second time reading it. And uh, I, I enjoyed it just as much this time, but it, the specifics of it might come to me in sporadic fashion because I still, to this point, have not taught myself how to take notes for the podcast <laughs> while reading. So well, let's get into that recap then, Joey. Uh, you want to tell, tell – I guess, I guess I can lead you in. Um, for those of you listening at home that want to read along, uh, the reading was Avengers – Avengers. 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 X-Men. The 2012 uh, version and story, uh, number 1 through 12. There are a few little uh, .5 episodes in... Er, point episodes. I am like, having a day, boys. .5 uh, <laughs> comics in between, uh, 10.5 and 6.5. So feel free to read those as well. They do have uh, some, some really cool things in between. And I'm going to you, Joey, before I trip over my words more. If, it, if anybody reads these... Go ahead and skip those because those <laughs> infinite comics, first off, suck to read on a phone. Oh, and they're just, they were just boring. I think that's, correct me if I'm wrong, those infinite comics, it's different than the infinity comics that are coming out now. But like, that's back when comics kind of first went popular digital and you were supposed to like click through those on a computer screen if yes. you were reading them on like a, on a desktop. Yikes. Yeah, and it's so some of them were so difficult to follow because like you would you'd go to the next panel, but it would be exactly the same as the previous panel, but like one additional speech bubble was added in. But like when you're going you're like, I don't remember what all I read on this panel already. Yeah, those were garbage. They you kind of like followed the pathway of it, but yeah, they I know exactly which ones you were talking about. I had the same thought. Um I think they're doing it way cooler now with like because that was supposed to be the easy-to-read-on-a-computer comic book. And that was, like, the new thing that came out then, and they threw a couple into this event. The new thing on now is the Infinity Comics, which is the easy-to-read-on-a-smartphone. 
and basically the whole comic is scrolling and there's like action sequences of the very top is the first page of the panel and you read all the way down it's kind of like the comic is falling with you kind of star wars intro like where like you're reading down that way until the ship comes at the very end but uh i i like those i did not like these so yeah go ahead and skip this <laughs> yeah i i i don't like either i'm just marvel just make normal comic books there was no problem reading normal comic books on my phone I, i've never had a problem but anyways yes um we are indeed reading avengers versus x-men uh for a breakdown on avengers versus x-men our marvel fan fiction <laughs> about the janitor crew at the avengers mansion that takes over at night when the avengers go home mm-hmm. um they're the evening avengers the Avengers. that was quick nice job joey that was hilarious um, yeah, I we break that down that. on Patreon for so if you want our bonus episode, you have to pay us money. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, speaking of taking notes, Bo, you said you don't do this. I took an abundance of notes on this, where I was typing out a plot summary for every single issue that we read. Any, um, just thinking back over this story here, what's a good number in terms of like? plot summaries to break this down do you think we need to split this in three in four in 12 do we just go issue by issue what are are we doing here because i took way too many notes i think we can definitely go a little more than issue to issue let's do this kind of we taught we started with anime let's continue with anime not necessarily seasons but there's definitely some story arcs here i think there's well i don't want to spoil anything but there's kind of the the initial, the mm-hmm. that, the uh, yeah. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you can know where the clear cutoffs here are, Joey. Let's do this in three parts. Okay, so I'm gonna try to. Um, you know what? We're just we're just gonna wing this. I'm just gonna start re- reading my summary. Um, if I think I'm at a good spot to stop, I'll stop. If you guys think I'm at a good spot to stop and I'm not stopping, please just yell at me. I like yelling. All right, so Avengers versus X-Men, as Brady said, pause the podcast, go read all 12 um, issues, well, 13, I suppose, if you're counting issue zero. I, I, I would say that one was better than the point fives. Skip the point fives, and we're diving right in with a plot summary, starting with issue zero. All right, so Avengers versus X-Men. We start out with Scarlet Witch attempting to take down MODOK in New York City. She's joined by Carol Danvers and Jessica Drew, who assist, and then bring Wanda back to Avengers Mansion. Um, Vision casts Wanda aside at the mansion because of the events that happened in Avengers Disassembled. See episode one of the podcast for details there. Um, Cyclops, Scott Summers, he is talking with Hope Summers, um, the Summers family tree, kind of complicated here, but Scott's talking with Hope Summers, who is essentially the mutant messiah about her recent string of attacks on criminals. Um, She flies off and stops a bank robbery going on by what appear to be the Serpent Society. It turns out that Scott is kind of scared that the Phoenix Force will overtake Hope like it did Jean Grey, but uh, we learn Hope believes she's ready for the Phoenix. Um, Moving into issue one, we are... Let's stop stop, stop real quick, just because I want to say this. Man, Vision was cutthroat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, left Wanda in tears. And first of all, <laughs> I felt so bad for 
Wanda, because she, like, Carol comes up to her and she's like, hey, come back with me. We all want you back. Trust me. Nothing bad's going to happen. <laughs> and then just mm-hmm. immediately, Vision's like, get away. <laughs> Can you blame him? I mean, Wanda did kind of murder him. Yeah, no, but, like, Carol was just so easy to just, like, no, we're fine. You come with us. You still got it. You look great in that costume. We're going to go back and do each other's hair like super women do. Come on. <laughs> and then even Tony Stark was just like, yo, that's rough. And I remember Wolverine's like, it's it's his wife, dude. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Well, and then, and- yeah, um, the only other comment I had on that, because apparently I'm going to have a whole lot of these, as this is going to be my refresher of it. Uh this was my introduction when I first read this to Hope Summers. Did anybody know anything about her prior to this? I did not. I did She's not. However, I, I read a brief summary on her Wikipedia page because I felt like I should know something about her. Is there anything that we needed to know about her leading up to this? Obviously, she's already being called the Messiah of the Mutants at this point, so she's pretty important to them. Yeah, so that came about because, um, thinking back to you know the House of M, uh, the end of House of M, when Wanda does her No More Mutants, and we get the decimation of all the mutants, and we're down to like 200 mutants left in the world. Nobody else has their mutant powers. Hope is the first mutant born after House of M. Um, so mm. she is so named because she basically inspired Hope. Like, oh, mutants can come back because we can actually, you know, we've, we've got a new mutant now. You just got to do a little mutant love. So she's born to who again? Remind me, her parents are... Oh, God, I could not tell you. I forget. She is like of cable. Yeah, I thought her dad was generation. Cable. I don't know. Some sort of time travel was involved. I'm pretty sure she's of, of the Summers family somehow. In classic mutant fashion. Okay, well that's issue zero. Let's go to one. <laughs> he says, as he told me that we would not need to stop after every issue. Um, no, no, all right. No. <laughs> Issue number one, we are in New York. The Avengers witness Nova uncontrollably crash to Earth. Nova is basically a, you know, superpowered-ish international or intergalactic police force is the Nova Corps. Um, Nova is one of their, you know, members there. He was coming with a warning for Earth. Um, However, all he manages to say is it's coming before he loses consciousness. Meanwhile, in California, Cyclops is training Hope Summers in combat. Um, you know, Cap and Tony brief the president in D.C. on what Tony's learned from his satellites. Uh, there's an energy reading that's been detected, and it can only be the Phoenix, that dark force that overtook Jean Grey and laid waste to the planet. Um, or it, it would lay waste to the planet. Tony gets an alert that the energy has been detected on the planet. Um, Cap tracks down Wolverine to ask if he will back the Avengers in stopping the Phoenix if it comes to it. And he learns of hope and, you know, that he learns of hope's existence and that they believe she will be the one the force goes for. So back in San Francisco, Scott's talking to Magneto, Namor, and Emma Frost about the Phoenix um, and how it could actually be the mutants saving grace, you know, as their numbers were decimated, you might say. Uh, But he is alerted that Cap is there at the X-Men's, you know, base of operations in San Francisco, and he would like an audience with Scott. And when Scott refuses to hand over Hope, Cap assembles the Avengers, and the Avengers attack. And then we move into issue two, where we basically see this giant battle. 
um, chaos is ensuing, you know, following the Avengers attacking. Uh, both groups question whether what they're doing is actually the right thing, with the Avengers hoping to save the world by stopping the Phoenix, Scott hoping to save Hope and the mutant race by embracing the Phoenix, um, the Quinjet that was hovering in the air crashes into the ocean, and the Avengers come ashore, and we just see this all-out shoreline battle between the two groups, both sides getting their licks in. Um, Seeing the battle on the news, Quicksilver runs to San Francisco uh, in about you know, 0.2 seconds and joins the fight. Um, he's fighting against his father and the X-Men, joining you know joining the Avengers there. Wanda remains sidelined at the moment because she was pretty much cast aside by Vision. She doesn't really know what to do at the moment. Um, Hope realizes all of this is because of her, and so she just kind of takes out some of her X-Men as well as some of the Avengers. We got Wolverine basically try to murder Hope, and, and Hope takes Wolverine out, Spider-Man, um, and, and she just kind of runs. She, she flees the scene before the Phoenix can take over, um, and then Hope you know, uh, is, is just kind of on her own now. So in space, meanwhile, we see a special group of Avengers that were sent out to meet the Phoenix Force on its way to Earth. They run into the Phoenix Force and immediately do nothing. That was kind of, I, I have some questions on why they bothered sending these people out into space. What were they supposed to do? Well, uh, let's talk about those questions, Joey. Because <laughs> right. my, thing, my thing with with that whole section is the two big takeaways I had is Hope running away, right? This Phoenix Force is coming across galaxies to find her. She thinks she can just run away from it on Earth? Like, is I'm going to find her? That was my big issue with that. She's just running away and she's like, you know... I think in the comic, in her defense, she said, you know, if it finds me, I just don't want it to find me near these people. I want to be able to control it. But, like... She, like, runs, runs away, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm done. And I, I think I just she was running more so from this battle, so that in the hopes that she would stop the battle. I think mm. I don't. I don't think she was trying to run from the phoenix necessarily, but just she was like, "These people are fighting because of me. Let me remove myself from the equation so that they stop fighting." It was a classic. Aunt, mom and dad are fighting because of me. I'm gonna remove myself. <laughs> Nobody loves me. If everybody's lives would be easier if I was just gone. And she's just gone. And yeah, classic mom and dad, in this case being Cyclops and Captain America. I feel like in every story arc, there's somebody who's just a little too dramatic in order to cause the chaos. And it is one million percent Cyclops in this. Like Scott Summers is just such an overreacting little laser beam baby. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually going to mention like... Not a huge X-Men fan, because yet again, my background comes from MCU, right? So X-Men were kind of before the MCU, everything. You know, there's some X-Men that are good. Love uh, love Logan, love Wolverine. But the rest of the X-Men, are, I, I just, I just haven't always been a huge fan of them as a whole. Um, so when Cyclops and my, my re-initiation into X-Men and me starting to understand more stories, when he comes across like this, like, you know big stupid idiot head that's just trying to you know do this stupid stuff i'm like i don't like the stupid guy he's a big stupid head so not a big big fan of big stupid head cyclops yeah I, i did question cyclops in this early part of the series and a lot throughout the series because i just don't really understand the 
thinking that's going on in his head as this force that, you know, consumed his wife and killed his wife way back when, when we had, you know, Jean Grey, Dark Phoenix. Um, he's just like, okay, this is good. We could use this force and, and, and bring back mutant kind, you know? And it, it, I feel like we were just lacking this uh, explanation as to why he believes this so firmly. Yep, I'm. It's I'm with you. Passion. That's <laughs> he, he. Just he loves his muties. Uh, he's kind of the cream of the crop of the mutant race at this point. He's got a hot new side piece of Emma Frost. So all woes of of Jean Grey are far in the past. Um, and yeah, he's definitely going to have a quick little rise to power here, which is definitely very cool. I will say one of my favorite things, which is unrelated to the plot whatsoever was probably at the beginning of each issue, just reading the character list for these issues. Because in classic crossover event fashion, there's so many people involved in this. But each of these issues really give you like a full breakdown. Not just of who's going to be in it, um, like the little comic box in the top left, but who's on whose side. And that can is continually adapting. Uh, you see this huge list of Avengers. The new Avengers, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Spider-Man, Wolverine, uh, the classic Avengers, uh, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor. And then you see the list of X-Men, which continues to grow and grow as they recruit more people. And then you see some swaps. You see some Wolverine stuck in the middle. You see Beast as, as a part of the Avengers and then not. And I, I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, I did like the the constant switching of sides and, and even the people that they're putting on the line. Like like you said, Wolverine. Um, I think there was a time when even Emma Frost might have been on there. I can't remember, but like they were just right in the middle, showing that you know they're here, they're around, they're not clearly on a side at the moment. Um, but even those people do change and and go from one side to the other, or not being on a side or whatever it is. Um, yeah, so that was really cool. And I, I also liked that they were kind of crossing people off as they were taken out of the equation as well. Yep. It's really, and, and it was, it was cool to see. Cause like, I know you guys mentioned, you know, did we know hope, hope summers, but there were other people that may not have been as known or as well known that were on those, on those lists, as well as the ones that were very well known and you got to see the sides like posted. So I was a big fan of the. Usually I just skip over the intro uh, page, but I, uh, I was a big fan of the intro page through the series. Now, I know we've mentioned multiple times we're not huge on the history of the X-Men and our own knowledge of the X-Men here, but does anyone happen to know when did Namor become part of the X-Men? Like, I feel like Namor was always just kind of doing his own thing in Atlantis, but he's just kind of like a, a, a full-on member of the X-Men now. Well, it's... Uh... I think very the NCU's playing on this all now too is that he Namor is the first mutant. So he, well, he that really I knew, but I didn't ever think he actually like joined forces with the X Men. I think he eventually was just like I, there's so many times where like Atlantis is like no Namor we're good we don't actually need you uh, you're doing more harm than good and I think there's obviously he's still very much with his Atlantean people through all of this but um, I, I don't remember when he officially joins maybe he just I think it probably was after House of M that basically all remaining mutants just kind of rallied together 
And I made that up, but it probably checks <laughs> out. Well, I, I think there was a moment at the beginning of this series where I think they the the mutants when they hear of Phoenix the Phoenix whatever is coming. Um I don't know if that's a spoiler for the the stuff coming on, but you know, they hear that it's coming and they hear that uh you know that it's coming for hope and that hope could be the, the big the big good person for them and re- revive mutanthood. I believe they called like all mutants together to talk about it. So Namor may less have been an X Men and may have just been one of the mutants that was called that just happened, you know, the a, a quick little uh, Wikipedia search shows that in 2011, which is literally spot on right around this time frame, mm-hmm. it says Namor joined the mutant superhero team, the X-Men. Uh, he helped with the Curse of the Mutants, uh, which is the effects of uh, House of M and Avengers versus X-Men events before joining the Illuminati and the all new invaders. So this mm-hmm. is literally right around the time where he started joining. Um, yeah, so I feel like I was right. I, I I give it to Bill. Okay, okay. Good good stuff that I never knew about. Um also a member of the X-Men, Magneto. You know, we we briefly mentioned him, but he's just joined forces with these uh you know people that used to be his sworn enemies as well. Um and we we see this um happening more and more in, in X-Men recently as well as you know the mutants are just kind of declaring themselves their own kind of <laughs> unit now um and, and they just welcome all mutants whether they're good or bad all right any any last comments on these early issues boys before i move on yeah right now boo hope summers boo cyclops yay captain america continue all right moving into issue three we get the aftermath of hope leaving wolverine comes to after regrowing his skin because hope essentially just lit him on fire um, and Wolverine learns that the X-Men have surrendered to the Avengers. Uh, he does not like this at all. Tony, Tony and Cap are arguing with, you know, around their new prisoners over what to do with them. Um, cause they have nowhere that can hold the X-Men. Um, but on the, on the run, meanwhile, Hope is creating a device that allows her to stay undetected. Um, basically creates like five versions of her or something that, that uh, gives Rachel Summers, there we go, yet another Summers, who I believe Rachel's the daughter of Cyclops from an alternate timeline, if I remember correctly. Like we said, Summers, family tree, messy. Um, Rachel Summers is trying to use Cerebro to detect where Hope is. Um, and we, you know, she's detecting five of her, basically. She's, she's pinging all around the globe. Um, the Avengers and X-Men both break into teams to search for her. Uh, Cap takes Logan with himself when Logan refuses to back down from his stance that, you know, he's going to kill Hope as soon as they find her, uh, Cap just boots him right off of the airplane into Antarctica. Uh, and so, so Logan gets stranded. And then the next issue, we see Logan in, Anar- in Antarctica being lured into a trap that was a beer trap. He, uh, he sees a, a can of beer just sitting there in the middle of nowhere, goes to pick it up, and boom, runs into Hope, who was seeking him out. Uh, she wants to request a deal. Um, he lets her try to let the Phoenix in and control it. If she loses control, he kills her. He's the only one she trusts to kill her. Um, so he, she's trying to get Logan to agree to this. Meanwhile, Thor and the other cosmic Avengers that were on that cosmic quest are trying to stop the Phoenix force and they immediately fail. Like everyone saw coming. 
Um, at the same time, the other teams are all searching for hope around the globe. They wind up fighting amongst themselves. You know, we get Avengers versus X-Men clashing all around the globe, get like five different fights happening. Um, Emma Frost is continuing to use Cerebro to learn more information. Logan agrees to fly Hope to the moon to confront the Phoenix Force, but he secretly actually lets Cap and the Avengers know where they're headed. Um, Emma Frost learns this information as well using Cerebro, and Avengers and X-Men both head to the moon, each to stop the other. Thor crashes down, unconscious, and the group realizes it's too late. The Phoenix is arriving. I feel like pause there for a moment. All right, first off, why hasn't anybody laid a beer trap for me? I'm very disappointed that this this is the first I'm hearing about it in a in a comic book. I loved that panel of Logan, <laughs> which you you don't see that it's Logan. You see a polar bear, what seems to be a polar bear walking upright on its back legs, walking up and picking up a beer. But then you find out it's Logan who has killed a polar bear and is wearing its skin to stay warm, um, just being lured into this beer trap. Very Star Wars esque. I loved it, and and and. Very like, yet again, not how this whole like first two thirds of this comic run, I had no idea what to think of Hope Summers. She runs away, you know, running away from her her stuff, and I'm like, okay, so it's gonna be tracking her down, and then she finds Logan and is like, all right, I only trust you to kill me, but I want to, you know, it's like, what, I don't know, I I'm not a big fan of 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 Hope. Up to this point, I think that she she runs away from her problems. She only goes to the the you know she she tries to find a way. She wants the bad, the good, but doesn't want the bad. Doesn't want the consequences. Just wants you know, just wants to run away from her problems. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, of her. I feel like you're really struggling with the ever changing emotions of what is a teenage girl. And boy, do I have uh, some news for you. This is not an uncommon thing. Uh, you throw in uh, mutant powers, uh, being the messiah of a mutant race in the Phoenix Force, and boy, howdy, does your first pimple look like a small problem. I don't know <laughs> if I would have handled it any different. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I understand that, but, like, it's a comic book. She's supposed to be a superhero. Just fight him and punch him in the face and get it over with. Well, that would have that would have made this a lot quicker than the sixteen issues that we got to enjoy. <laughs> and, and that's that the difference true. between you know just some generic superhero comic and a intricately written, emotionally delivered story. Brady, you can't just punch your way out of every problem. I have been told otherwise, but in all seriousness, I I I, I do think like the big the, the big thing is. She's she's running away from her her problems, which you know, feel that was how it is. She goes to Logan for this, you know, moment of of I don't know weakness. I, I wouldn't say it's weakness or strength or you know uncertainty. Where she's like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm gonna need your help to basically you know kill me if I can't. And it's a very you know, it's a very like eye opening moment of oh. She's going to try something crazy, huh? So it's very, very... Uh, I don't like the Hope Summers character yet, but it's a very interesting path that is starting to unwind. I do like the way that Wolverine played this. Uh, hey, there's some characteristics of him that are just very 
It's the same throughout all the different things. Logan loves beer. We know this. And Logan's got a way with the kids. Like, for some grumpy old mutant man, he's a, he always has a way with the younger protégés. He did the same thing kind of with, with Kitty Pride um, and all the other kind of, like, new mutants as they joined. Uh, there's a lot of other side stories. And then, obviously, he has kids of his own in, in the future, past, whatever. Mutants are confusing. Uh, but with, like, Laura Kenny and, and all the other Wolverines that come to be. But... Um, the way that he handles this basically where like as soon as he hears her plan, he like calls cap. He's like, yo, <laughs> uh, she's she, she about to do something crazy. Meet me on the moon. Like, that's so funny. I, I wasn't expecting that. I was definitely thrown off by that. Yeah. You know, the one could make the argument that Wolverine did fail his actual son, Dakin, who we saw take over as the Wolverine in dark Avengers, um, kind of a piece of shit person. If, if I'm being honest, but <laughs> Yeah, they uh they get better. They that that they they tie up later down the line. But yeah, currently not on good terms. I don't think. I don't see him joining the fight on this one. Um, one thing I did notice in reading these issues is as Emma Frost is using the what I called Cerebro because that is how I've always understood this thing to be. It is called Cerebra throughout these issues. Um we have any idea is this a different device what why was this reference as cerebra with an a is it just because emma frost is doing it and that's the feminine version of the word and and it's only a you know yeah, masculine like ending with an o if, yeah <laughs> that's no it's, i'm pretty sure this is 2.0 yeah okay. I was gonna you guys say continue I, to talk I, i'm gonna do a quick background i believe cerebro was destroyed at some point. I don't know where in the comics or lore, but I remember it. It hearing that Cerebro was destroyed, and that it was recreated because I mean, obviously there can be no world of X Men without uh, Cerebro, right? There has to be something <laughs> no. there. Cerebro does the one that oh. simply looks like a funny helmet and is kept in the basement of Xavier Mansion. Cerebro, however is the upgraded version that Xavier and Beast created after Cerebro gained sentience and caused a bunch of trouble for the X-Men. So Cerebro, uh, I think Cerebro is the kind that we're used to from like the films uh, because that's the big, huge machine that has all that different view that people can go in and, and see the screen essentially of what Xavier was viewing. Cerebro was just the original helmet. So yes, technically... This is Maybe this is a timeline thing. Technically, I believe Cerebro is in Deadpool 2. Because he's on the couch and he takes it off and puts it on his head. Okay. This is all things that I did not know. However, Cerebro is back by 2019's X-Men, um, House of X and, and Powers of X. Which I guess is actually Powers of 10, not Powers of X. But, um, yeah, it's, Cere it's back to being Cerebro at that point And quick, you know, fun little X-Men retcon. Turns out Professor X the whole time was using Cerebro to make, like, imprints of mutant genetic codes and, and things. And this is the secret that allows the X-Men, if you are if you read any sort of current Marvel comics, you may see a reference to the fact that the X-Men have basically discovered immortality. Um, this is how. Professor X used Cerebro to basically make a genetic imprint of every mutant 
so that if a mutant dies, they can basically make this new body shell for them, and he can implant their like last you know moment of consciousness into their new body um so they can basically just resurrect every single mutant that dies big resurrection mutants coming back big yes sorry to diverge us from the uh, actual story that we're talking about but should we should we move on here phoenix has arrived on the moon and the x-men and avengers were there you guys want to move on or... let's do it all right, so we see the X-Men and Avengers clash. Um, Tony puts the finishing touches on his Phoenix-killing technology that he's just been whipping up on the side this whole time. Uh, shout out to Tony, who, within what appears to have been half a day, built this giant device. Um, anyways, Hope begins to feel more of the Phoenix within her, and she be- actually begs Logan to kill her. Um, but he's stopped by Scott Summers. Meanwhile, around the globe, various... You know, powered people feel the arrival of the Phoenix. They're, you know, uh, just kind of sensing this new presence. And uh, Tony shoots his device at the Phoenix Force in space. And rather than destroying it, the Phoenix gets split between Cyclops, Namor, Colossus, Magic, and Emma Frost. They're all um, kind of inhabiting a, a piece of the Phoenix. They become known as the Phoenix Five. And they take hope and declare that they will carry out the Phoenix's plan while hope heals. All right, I do want to interrupt and say the Phoenix Five look sick. And this was the turning point. Because like I said, I wasn't a big fan of Hope Summers. I wasn't a fan, really a big fan of the story. I thought it was interesting how it was playing out, but I was waiting for that moment. This was the moment for me when the Phoenix Five came out and they, it changed their look and made them all fiery. And, and oh, man, this was the moment of, okay, this is getting good for me. That was a really cool shot there when it, it shows, you know, Scott's uh, leading the charge. They're holding hope in his arms with the other four kind of crowded around them. And they are all just super powerful looking with the, you know, Phoenix force encumbering them. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I loved this. I love this uh, rendition, I guess. Um, and this this X-Men look. And as as you guys know, with my my Marvel Legends collection that Bo has helped me get into, I love the black and red. And I was like, oh, Phoenix Force might look good because you know you got that that red fiery fiery look. But um, I also had a little bit of inkling into Phoenix Force because my other uh, Marvel addiction is Marvel Snap. And one, Phoenix Force is there, and it is insanely OP sometimes. And two, they released the the phoenix force characters so i saw colossus as phoenix force i saw magic as phoenix force so i knew this was coming at some point but seeing how it happened literally the phoenix force dispersing into all of them was top notch and this is where it started taking an upwards uh upwards trajectory for me i don't know if you guys had any other any any similar feelings well, yeah, See, seeing them in the Phoenix Force, I mean, I had no idea it was going to be these people, but I think I came to love the five that were chosen, especially as this as this plays out. But yeah, OP is the only way to describe them. They were just, I mean, this was a huge turning point. And basically, as every fight ensues after this, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know how they're gonna win this one. <laughs> this might, this might go to the mutants. Yep, one hundred percent. 
Yeah. One well, of, does it, Joey? Well, let's find out, shall we? One of one of Marvel's big problems is introducing these OP, indestructible forces, and then figuring out a way to destroy them somehow. I guess because <laughs> yeah, Phoenix is just nuts level OP in in terms of the entire universe. It's like the most powerful, maybe second most powerful thing in Marvel. I think. But let's find out. All right. So we get a little bit of a uh, a break, actually, here. Going into issue six, ten days have passed since the Phoenix was split into the Phoenix Five. Um, and in that time, they've used their power to remake the world into a more peaceful and energy-efficient place. You know, they're actually using these powers for good, it seems. Um, nevertheless, Cap and the world powers that be do not trust the X-Men to keep this power unchecked. Um, as such, they plan a sneak attack to find Hope, who they think they can use to help fight off the Phoenix Force. Uh, Wanda, Scarlet Witch, has visions of the Avengers being destroyed at the hand of the Phoenix, and she shows up to prevent a violent outbreak between the groups. Um, Hope chooses to go with Wanda. Um, she leaves Scott and the X-Men, and she does not go with the Avengers. She's very clear. She's not going with the Avengers. She is going with Wanda. Um, and then we see Scott lose patience and declare no more Avengers, similar to what we saw um, Wanda herself say at the end of House of M. Um, so he is, you know, hell bent on destroying the Avengers. Um, and we move into issue seven where we see the Avengers and X-Men clash again across the globe. They're, we're just getting Avengers versus X-Men in, in basically every single issue here. Um, and then the Scarlet Witch is able to hold off the Phoenix Five in, in multiple locations. Uh, I, I think she was using projections of herself to to basically keep them back in, in five different locations. Tony and T'Challa, meanwhile, are working together you know, partially to attempt to develop a weapon against the Phoenix, another one, uh, since the first one worked out so well. Um, and, we, and we learn that the Force is linked to Wanda's hex power somehow. Um, Iron Fist and the leader of, of Kunlun, Kun, Kunlun, Kunlun, I always forget how to say this, um, but the, the leader of Kunlun, the, the Thunderer, they tell Tony that he needs to bring Hope to Kunlun to find her. Emma Frost tells Namor that Hope is being hidden in Wakanda, and Namor attacks Wakanda. Um, we see just Namor kind of lay waste to Wakanda, while Logan, Tony, and the Thunderer take Hope to Kunlun. We witness Namor battling several Avengers in Wakanda, including the Red Hulk, uh, before Wanda eventually allows them the opportunity to take him down. And when Namor is defeated, his portion of the Phoenix Force essentially transfers into the other four upon their later arrival, making them each more powerful. Um, and, and Charles Xavier, meanwhile, is telepathically links to Cyclops, telling him he's ashamed and that he needs to stop or Xavier will stop him. Uh, All right, and I'll, so, pause, I'll pause there. Yeah, so this is where, I don't know if you guys yet again felt the same, but this is where I started going, uh-oh. This is how it's going to end. You see them kind of bickering with each other, just like, you know, the Civil War Civil War bickerings, where Emma's telling Namor false information to get him to go attack Avengers in different areas. Namor goes and goes full-out crazy mode because the Phoenix is kind of doing that to him. He falls, and as soon as he falls, the Phoenix is released a little more, and you're like, uh-oh. This is what's going to happen. They're going to start taking them down one by one somehow. And one of them is going to be the most powerful being. And it's going to be another Jean Grey moment. And I was all there for it. 
And I think that it was very much um, like seeing seeing the Namor experience where he like, I, I believe he almost, if I remember correctly, he like flooded all of Wakanda and like civilians dying. And, and it was up until this point, they were kind of the X-Men and especially the Phoenix, the Phoenix Force were actually looked at as a good group. Like they were doing good in the world. Um, and then this was the turning point of the hatred for the Avengers overpowering the uh, want to do good. And you start to see like, oh, things are uh, things are heating up and this is where it's getting good. Yeah, I, I saw the Phoenix transference into the other four, making them more powerful as like, you know, classic like video game type thing. You just defeated the bot, like the first boss. But, you know, all that means is that there are now four even more powerful bosses for you to defeat later on. And then it's just going to get harder and harder and harder until you get to that final battle of the game that uh, eventually drives you insane and makes you throw your controller at the TV. Exactly, and I and I just I just felt it coming, and no spoilers to what happens because maybe that does, maybe that doesn't. But this is where I started to like, I was like, okay, yet again, last episode seeing the Phoenix or last last issue seeing the Phoenix split into five was like the ooh, this is getting good. Then you see Namor start to go crazy. You see Emma trying to manipulate. You see, you know, Scott's trying. I believe at this point, Scott's trying to hold it together and still be a good guy with this power but you can see that it's not a group initiative anymore and that they're they're planning completely different objectives as a whole and it's getting uh it's getting interesting what are your thoughts bo uh very similar thoughts i again reading this for the second time the build-up was still just as cool and i kind of had that same thought process of this force this team now is so powerful that literally the only way that they can be taken down unless we get some kind of there's always like there's a century or something that comes in that's just even more op but just like the century like those things typically destroy themselves uh so there's going to be a fall but it's not going to be from a hand-to-hand combat uh, there's going to be a lot of that in the meantime, but how is this going to come to be? And yes, yeah, seeing that rise up, I'm like, this is going to come down to one. Um, like eventually, like the, the Phoenix Force is an evil force that will try to regain its full strength in some capacity. So it probably didn't even ever like being divided in this sense. Um, it kind of happened by accident from the rejection of hope. So I, I think that that's going to, and I've seen some really cool sagas coming up, especially even like the Avengers line, the new Avengers, where the Phoenix Force is involved. So it's very, it's a very bratty force. It really just wants what it wants, <laughs> and uh, it, it will find a way to get that. But the the thoughts that I had outside of that were, again, going back to kind of just the classic boots on the ground fights that were happening even prior to this. I thought there were a lot of cool like historical comic things that were tied in, and a lot of history fights. Like, for example, every time that there was a panel with the thing, Ben Grimm, fighting Namor, like, there was so much behind that. Like, the FF versus Namor runs back all the way to some of their first issues. And, like, there's just, like, some real history behind those fights. And then you see, like, Red Hulk going up against Colossus and, like, really trying to battle out with, like, no, oh, you're so you're the strongest mutant there is? Well, I'm the strongest that there is. 
and going in and fighting him that way. And I thought that, again, from events like this, we get to see a lot of those things. The reason people read comics, it's, oh, who's stronger, the Hulk or the thing? And you kind of like have these battles and stuff, and then the writers get a chance to really kind of speak that into existence. So there were a lot of really, really cool things here. Uh, we kind of breezed past this, but yeah, the complete and utter destruction of <laughs> Wakanda is a, another huge turning point. Um, specifically, we saw kind of that uh, cringe moment between Wanda and Vision. Uh, yet another one occurs a couple of different times between T'Challa, Black Panther, and uh, Storm. Obviously, their marriage uh, takes a toll on this as they're on opposing sides for the majority of the story. So, um, yeah, some really, really cool character development or just kind of Easter eggs and stuff for those that know a little bit of history behind it. But, uh, yeah, let's let's continue because this is definitely a, a nice building point. And I think, yeah, the conclusion that we came to of, oh, OK, this deferred a little bit. They got a little bit stronger. I think it was Spider-Man that even just kind of like brought light to that. Spider-Man usually speaks what we're thinking into the comic panels. Like, did, did, did we, is this a wit? If this doesn't, I don't know if this seems good. Uh, something, yeah, obviously it feels like we won, but uh, this can't be good in the long run, right? I, uh, I'm going to add on to that, boat. You you mentioned that this put like a wrinkle into the marriage of, of T'Challa and Storm. I am pretty sure I'm like 90% sure this ended the marriage between T'Challa and Storm. We got like one brief comment, but T'Challa said, uh, the high priest of Wakanda has annulled our marriage. And Storm and looked at says, him and said, you're you the high, the high priest. priest. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. even make a comment to that. He's like, yeah, um, well, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Yeah, so not I, tell positive I didn't they get back together, but I'm, I think they're done. I don't even know if they get back together. I mean, it's like a Taylor Swift moment, like, we are never, ever, ever getting back together, but, or is it like... Because the marriage between them was huge for quite a long period of time, and I think they reference it in modern comics, but I don't think that they ever truly get back together. Huge. Well, we huge have witnessed the end. The end of an era. Um, all right, but we can move on into issue nine. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're close to the end. Um, we open this issue on what appears to be one of the Avengers coming to after being beaten bloody by Colossus. Um, flashba flash flashbacks. Flashbacks show us how this particular Avenger, which is revealed to be our boy Spider-Man, um, how he got there. Days after Namor's fall, the group struggles trying to bring down the rest of the five. Uh, Thor has been taken, and their healthy numbers are, are dwindling. Their people get beat up left and right. Spidey trains Hope, Mr. Miyagi style, to prepare her for taking the force over. Um, Emma Frost struggles to maintain her hold over the Phoenix, and she begins to worry as she is seen tracking down a man that killed a mutant several years ago, and she kills him. Um, Storm, meanwhile, apologizes to her husband, T'Challa, and offers to help the Avengers. Oh, I, I guess I spoke too soon on the T'Challa-Storm situation. Um, <laughs> T'Challa, uh, you know, like I said, just kind of ended their marriage there. But uh, the group attacks Colossus and Magic, who are torturing Thor, and they manage to rescue him, returning him to Kunlun, um, but not without Spidey essentially sacrificing himself to save the rest of the group. 
And so left alone with the two mutants, Spidey convinces them to take each other out as they both wish to inherit the other's power. Um, instead, both of their powers, uh, because they took each other out, are transferred into the two remaining of the five now, Cyclops and Emma Frost. Um, Cyclops shows up in Kunlun to hope to take hope, uh, whether she's ready for it or not. Um, so in Kunlun, it, can one of you settle this debate? Kunlun. Having, I, I have Kunlun. always said Kunlun. I have also I, always said Kunlun. I'm finding I'm saying it differently every time I read it. <laughs> it sounds so I will great. Try to, I'll, I'll try to stick with Kunlun. Okay. Um, in Kunlun, Scott is taking on the Avengers while Cap tries to convince Professor X to stick around. Um, however, Professor X wishes to help elsewhere and, and leaves. Um, back at Utopia, which is the X-Men's you know, camp, Emma Frost lines up the X-Men and forces them to swear fealty to her, uh, changing their minds if they disagree with her, um, which is very evil stuff that we're seeing from, from Emma Frost. She's clearly losing control. Um, in Kunlun, the dragon Shao Lao emerges, the beast that legend says has defeated the Phoenix in the past, and Hope somehow inherits the dragon's powers and sends uh, Cyclops to space. Um, where he pauses, decides he needs Emma, and he flies off with the Watcher on licking. Um, back at Utopia, Magneto reaches out to Professor X, mentally pleading for help as Scott and Emma are clearly losing control. Um, and with two issues remaining, we'll pause there. Um, just to settle the debate, I did look up. Um, this is from the Iron Fist subreddit because of the movie where they actually, or the show where they actually mentioned it. Um, it is not pronounced Kunlun or Kunlun, but from a Taiwanese and Chinese uh, ancestry, the L's are more of a Huin, so it's more like Kuin Luin. Nope. But I'm going to call it Kunlun. <laughs> I'm going to continue with Kunlun as well. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be too tough. I I would say in a million different ways trying to say that. Uh, Joey, fantastic review so far. You you skipped over something very very important. Um, so let's let's dive back. Uh, I'm gonna try to backpedal here a little bit because I don't want to forget saying this. First of all, I love that we are just now involved. Not just now, but like I love the tie-in of the Iron Fist um, and all of that. Like the tie of the primordial powers of the. Phoenix Force and Iron Fist. Specifically, I feel like you know this because of like all that stuff. Komodo, uh, the first Ghost Rider, Moon Knight. I love when those powers of like it goes back in history. All these people that hold power um, that they're tied in here. Very very cool. Um, but going back to before we lost uh, the and sis of Colossus and Magic. Um, Colossus made whales with legs. And uh, he just thought that they would want legs and created whales that had legs and then forgot that they couldn't breathe uh, outside of the water. And so they died. And then basically just asked Magic, when this is done, will you help me make more whales? <laughs> and I thought that that was <laughs> the funniest comic panel I've read in a long time. It's very, it's very much like that, um, that oblivious, like, oh, this is a good thing to do, bloop, and then it turns out to be a bad thing to do, and goes, oh, 
Maybe I should undo that. Oh, I will figure it out and then just like move on to the next thing, you know? So it just shows like I, I the, enjoyed, enjoyed Yeah, it. like the godlike state that they were at where they were basically just kind of like almost bored with their powers now, where they've done so much good, they've fixed everything in the world. So then just walk and oops yeah more whales like that's just funny that's just funny but yeah that's uh other than it was that yeah there was some other like comic book stuff that was going on and some battles and stuff but i like the whales with lakes i did really like the colossus and magic scene as well i magic was not a character i i think i've ever read in a, in a comic book but i i was kind of digging her her presence here that's I one day Spider-Man one day will convince you guys was absolutely caruso. What? Very, <laughs> I was, very I, much I was so. That the Spider-Man battle between Colossus and Magic was absolutely like gruesome, and you just hear his bones crunching, and it starts off like you know somebody's getting their ass whooped at the beginning, and it doesn't show who, and then we tie in later, and you see that it's actually Spider-Man because of of course it's Spider-Man. But man just takes an absolute beating. It was tough. Tough to watch. Very much. Yeah, not looking good for Spidey there. Um, basically just collapses at the end of all of this. But, um, yeah. Big I time. Mean, we're kind of just seeing that there are predictions come to light in this where the Phoenix Force is further dissolved into the the, the remaining two, which... I kind of saw coming, like it had to be those two. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's now it's becoming. Oh, okay. At this point, I don't really like the way the a lot of abuse within that. And the scary stuff that Emma says, where she's basically just like, "I've thought about snapping my fingers and ending absolutely everything." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't know that that was an option this whole time." That's kind of terrifying. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really that powerfully Cyclops wielded like, easily. Yeah, Cyclops has clearly been like the center yeah. of all of this from the X Men side of things. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Emma's Emma is the scarier of the two through so far. Completely agree. I figured, and not halfway through when I was reading this, I was like, the the story obviously wants you to to see the internal struggle of Cyclops trying to use this power for good and, and yada yada. But I, I think I mentioned it earlier where you you see he's trying to do it for good, but everyone else has different objectives. And Emma's objective is getting darker and darker and scarier and scarier. And it's like, uh, guys, we, we might be in trouble here. So I, it's, it's, uh, it's getting there. And I'm, whew, whew. It, was, it, was, it was fun to watch and, and decipher. All right, well, shall we wrap this uh, plot line up here? Let's do it. All right, so we get Captain America seeking out the Hulk, who uh, agrees to smash on the side of the Avengers in in the upcoming battle. Um, Several mutants also defect uh, from the X-Men, with Professor X basically you know, tapping into their minds and telling them that it is safe if they they come over to Cap's side and and join the, the Avengers. Um, as they witness Scott and Emma losing control. And it's it's quite terrifying, like we said. Scott and Emma debate, you know, what they will do next, uh, agreeing not to kill each other, because um, both of them are clearly thinking about it. They want that, you know, ultimate power. 
they agree not to kill each other. Um, we get yet another giant battle, and Professor X nearly is able to maintain control of Scott uh, long enough to kind of, you know, let the Avengers overpower them. Um, but when Scott finally decides to break his deal, uh, he kills Emma Frost. Did did he kill Emma Frost? Is she dead? I, I was I, I, I couldn't see, couldn't tell. Definitely stopped her, but. Is any character really dead in uh it's it's a fair question. In uh, Marvel? <laughs> I just it didn't know like at the time. Because we've kind of said that they fall, but I kind of took it as as the life left these people, that is when the Phoenix Force left them. I took it as Namor, Magic, Colossus, and Emma Frost had die. See, I didn't because I think they showed um, like Namor, after he quote unquote falls, he's just like on, on his on all fours, like gasping. So I think they fall and they like would have died, but the Phoenix Force like leaves them, so they're okay. I guess is how I took it. So regardless, Scott <laughs> basically takes he takes Emma out for uh, for better or worse. <laughs> um, I. I I think I'm on Brady's side. I, I don't think they're necessarily dead. I think they're just defeated. And I, I feel like maybe the Phoenix Force is looking at them as failures because they were defeated and, and leaving them. Um, that's my headcanon that I've just made up. Um, anyways, Scott may or may not have killed Emma. He inherits the full power of the Phoenix. And at this point is just too far gone. He becomes the Dark Phoenix. Um, and he, again, kills, question mark, Professor Xavier. Uh, Professor Xavier falls. Um, and this is at the end of issue 11. Then we go into the final issue of this story. We see Tony discussing Hope and Wanda's connection, um, stating they are the only hope to defeat Scott. Hope and Wanda, meanwhile, are fighting against each other at the Avengers' uh, little hideout here. Um, you know, over Hope's hatred of Wanda's past and, and, and you know, the mutants, you see House of M uh, back on Comics Over Coffee podcast episode three, maybe, if I remember correctly. Um, they eventually overcome their differences, though, for the battle and then they fight together. And the war takes place across the globe with Cyclops and his renegade group of X-Men, the people that are still with him that didn't defect. Um, but they're using a, a, a projection of... of um, well, I'm sorry, using a projection of Jean Grey, they convinced Cyclops to let go long enough for Hope to absorb the power of the Phoenix. Um, and, and she basically just takes the power from Scott. Uh, Hope then flies around, you know, using this power to stop fires around the world. She's basically cleaning up after all of the battles that were taking place. And then she declares herself the White Phoenix, who will use this power for good. Um, and, and we get, you know, shades of... Uh, Jean Grey t- becoming the Dark Phoenix, where it's like, I, you know, I'm going to, I now have this power. I'm going to use the power for good. The, the thing that every evil person always says right before they start being super evil. Um, however, Wanda steps in, convinces Hope, hey, you don't need to, you know, use this power. You actually are the one that has the power to, to basically get rid of this thing. Um, and she convinces Hope to dissipate the Phoenix power across the cosmos, which somehow. Uh, in some science mumbo jumbo marvelly way, results in the rebirth of mutant kind. We get mutants popping back up across the globe, uh, thanks to Hope dissipating this Phoenix power 
And then meanwhile, Cyclops goes to prison for his crimes against humanity and the group mourns Professor Xavier. And we wrap up AVX Avengers versus X-Men. So thoughts on the finale. Yeah, solid event. A quick, quick, go go first here. <laughs> a quick Google search does show that uh, as far as casualties go, the only actual death was Professor Xavier. The other... The others did fall, which makes me uh, kind of rethink some of my feelings I had during this. Um, falling is, I mean, I fall all the time. I'm not even that old. But uh, yeah, that, that, I guess that makes sense. You can't just kill six huge people in one event. Just one of them. And Professor X is, is now gone. It says that uh, Captain or Marvell also dies throughout this event, but I'm assuming that was a tie-in, because I don't even remember him being in it. I don't think he crossed the pages of this actual title. Interesting, that, interesting. That However, yeah. Uh, good event. Great event. Really, I mean, yet another one where a lot happens just for kind of nothing to happen, except this one has a huge effect on the X-Men community. Um, so obviously you you get so much, like, this is basically the rebirth of kind of X-Men comics where they get this fresh start and can now continue to kind of build off of the mutants in, in the Marvel comics. And, um, I don't know that I've read anything X-Men post this, so kind of excited to see where this goes. And if we get those future tie-ins with, this is kind of, a lot of these readings have been rereads for me up until this point. So where we go from here is going to be pretty interesting um, because I'm, I'm kind of now caught up in a sense of my Marvel back knowledge where I can refer to these comics and anything we've talked about, but not really past this. Um, so, uh, yeah, very, very excited. I enjoy this quite, quite a bit. I think I mostly enjoyed the length. Of it. Like, it was pretty cool that, like, each comic was referred to as, like, I don't know if you guys enjoy this, but, like, round one, round two, kind of like a boxing match between the two. Um, and then you again, you get those status updates of who's on the injured reserved list and, and who's fighting for which team. And I really enjoyed that 10 round aspect of it. But uh, yeah, good readings. Um, I, I'm definitely going to rank this one pretty high, but uh, it, it ended in a good enough way where like, again, I didn't know how you were going to be able to dissipate this. But the combination of Hope Summers and then basically kind of like the we like wanda now uh this was a this was a good kind of redemption arc for her as well yes agreed completely um so what, what's our uh what's our weekly things that we always ask i think we should go with those right well real quick i did want to you know talk about this rebirth of of mutant kind that we get at the end of this because this is essentially we're in 2012, I think, when this uh, series is coming out. And this mm -hmm. is basically closing the loop on the end of House of M, where Wanda destroyed Mutant Kind in 2005. So we're looking at seven years of Marvel Comics where the mutants have been basically Logan, Professor X, Emma Frog. This group we saw here was it. Um, when before House of M, we had hundreds and hundreds of mutants. The, the list of X-Men showing up in any given comic was enormous. Um, and then we were down to 200 mutants in the entire world for seven years. That's pretty impressive. When we're talking to like 
Marvel brings everyone back and we joke about how nobody stays dead. They left the mutants as, you know, kind of decimated for quite some time, um, which I think is just rare in, in Marvel continuity to like, just leave. like the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> but cause yeah, one of the things I was going to bring up last week, I mentioned, you know, we, uh, or two weeks ago, we, you know, I, I said I had something that I wanted to talk about if we had time, but we didn't have time. Um, I recently finished the the clone saga from the 90s, the Spider-Man story about, you know, Ben Riley, his his clone coming back. And um, basically that clone saga ends with the big reveal that Ben Riley was the real Peter Parker the whole time. And this Peter Parker that we had been reading in comics for 20 something years at the time was actually a clone. Um, and it, the the story ends with Peter Parker being okay with this. He's going to leave being Spider-Man to, you know, Ben Riley, and he's going to go and be happy with MJ, who's pregnant and having a kid. Um, and, and Aunt May dies. And Peter's going to go be a father to, you know, to their his daughter with MJ. And Ben Riley is the real Peter Parker and the real Spider-Man. And that lasted all of about, I feel like, a month before Marvel was like, just kidding, we can't actually do that, let's reverse everything. And and it was just a joke, you know, Ben Riley wasn't actually the real Peter Parker. And I was going to call Marvel out on not having the balls to follow through on some of these things that they do. But hey, the X-Men, they actually did it. They followed through, they left this as a dangling thing for seven years in in comics. I mean, like I said, I... It's similar to uh, to Marvel and how or and the MCU and how they do it is no love for the X Men, man. I have a question, mm-hmm. and I would like for either of you to make up an answer without actually knowing. Is this rebirth of mutants snap like, where the mutants that died come back, or new mutants are just created? When I read this, I, in my mind, was picturing mutants that had existed previously regaining their powers. However, I don't know that that was confirmed in this story. That's just how I interpreted it. Brady, what what were you thinking? I thought basically the same. That I that when I read it. Because it was just, I think it's just one little, like, half panel where I think it's a girl gains wings, right? My guess is, how I, how I understood it is, the X-Men gene probably got suppressed when Wanda did her evil thing. And this new uprising is that gene coming out and being being able to be more open. So people who had it are now actually developing their their mutations. That is how I understood it. Yeah, because many people have essentially, if we're looking at this however many years span, have been born since then that probably never even knew that they were potentially born mutants. So maybe this awakened dormant mutant factors or genes as well, too. I don't know. I would like to know, but I, I like your explanation. I'll take that to be truth. How did you interpret it as you were reading the story the first time, Bo? Were you thinking that it was like a snap, everyone was just kind of coming back, or was it just new mutants springing up? I took it as previous mutants, uh, yes, basically regained their mutanity, 
<laughs> and then uh, I also kind of took it as those that were not previously mutants um, are now kind of seeing their mutant awakening. Um, if they, because again, this was a long period of time. Uh, so like little children, I don't know. Don't most people like gain their mutant powers? Like it's like kind of like a puberty thing, right? Uh, so like as they've reached that mark, like they they got it if it was dormant before then. So both both mutants, old and new alike. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, Brady, I I didn't mean to derail us. We you you can now transition us back into our you know weekly recap type things. Let's do a weekly recap. So what's uh I believe we start with uh favorite character. Well, we usually start. This has been a while, guys. I'm gonna be honest. I think we usually rate it first. However, there's no rules here. We can do whatever we want. All right. Well, then, if there's no rules, we're gonna rate it first. So, uh, what did you guys think on a scale of one to ten on this week's reading? Uh, Joey, why don't you start? Ooh, I never get to start. Perfect. Let's do it. Um, you know, this was, I think, one of my favorite stories that we have read. It was not the favorite it does not top my secret invasion ranking uh, i don't think anything ever will um but this was a solid solid read i had some trouble following cyclops motivation i feel like i could have gotten some more you know character insights there on why necessarily he was so passionate in his feelings towards the phoenix but i am gonna give this story an 8.5 i really enjoyed this Ooh. what about you Bo? Uh, I also really enjoyed this. Um, I think I enjoyed it more the first time because there's a lot of once you know, kind of like the the ending of this, it kind of loses its awe effect. Where like you know the build up and the closing that's going to happen. So this wasn't the best of rereads for me. Um, so I I think I would have originally ranked it higher as opposed to what I may rank it now. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a solid eight. I, I got my team-ups. I got <laughs> both my Avengers, old and new, alike in this. Um, this definitely is one of those things where every now and then I'll get a peek into the, the X-Men and, and really kind of appreciate the storylines going on there. And it, it makes me think, like, do I want to read X-Men? And if, if a story makes me think, do I want to read X-Men? It's a good story. So um, I enjoyed it. I think this was like a long time coming again. If you were reading this as it fresh came out back in the day, this is kind of like that battle and that team up and that versus that everybody always talked about. These are your two huge Marvel teams. Um, Mm -hmm. So they got a lot out of this. Plus, again, I think where we started from uh, Avengers Disassembled, House of M, into this now, this is like a really cool kind of closing arc of what we've read. So there is some kind of like newly created nostalgia there too. Um, so doing that together, kind of discussing with you guys, my bros, um, <laughs> I, it brings a whole new tie into it. And you guys, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a dope story. I liked it. You got some, you got some Hulk smash. You got some uh, thing clobbering. You've got some Scott Summers being crazy mutant man and. I liked it. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the eight. It was a, it was a good story for me. I would I would read it again should the time come. And I will echo 
this also made me read X-Men stories. Like I said, I, I read like 20 X-Men comics in the last week, and it was because of this event. And that's something I've never done before. So well done, Marvel. Yeah, I will uh I will say I I I think the beginning in my hate for hope <laughs> my hate for hope um was a, was a little misguided by the time I got to the end. Uh I really liked the that plot, the build up of the Phoenix Force. I liked exactly, you know, I called it episode 3, but I still loved how or, uh, issue 3, but I still loved how it turned out with the force going down one by one, one person becoming the all powerful, and then that heroes overcoming and destroying it. Um, I think the little bit at the end kind of threw me off where, you know, they destroyed it, but the Phoenix Force went, ha ha, JK, and then went into hope, and then that whole thing at the end, right? Um, I was like, well, you could have just ended it. Dang, now do I? <laughs> but I, uh, I think it, it, it kind of saved itself for me with Wanda, you know. I mean, how long has it been since House of M? And she's still she's been doing good pretty much since then. Um, but she's still looked at as this evil being, and all she does is walk up and like you know, namaste over hope, and then boom, everything's good again because she's Wanda. Um, and f- my favorite comic book character so far of all time, I think, has been Wanda because of the story arcs and the plot. So having her at the end kind of saved it for me. So I'm also going to give it an eight. So, with that, we'll move on to favorite characters. And since I started with Joey, I'm going to pick on Bo and make Bo pick his favorite character first. How nice of you. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, let's, let's think through this together, guys, because I have not put a whole lot of thought into this. I, it's, like I said, it's been a minute, so we haven't even really asked this. Um, I mean, I could start with I'm, Joey, and he could eliminate some for you if you want. No, absolutely not. I want you guys to be here with me in real time for this. Um, And I'm going to say something. I'm going to stick to it. I'm probably going to echo what you were saying there, uh, Brady. And um, just be. Yep, I'm going to do it. (laughs) I I, I think that I I like um, just because we see her in issue zero and then we kind of see it again come to a close. She wasn't a huge part of the story whatsoever, but I like. I'm going to go with Scarlet Witch. One character, is my favorite character of the week. I'm going to jump in. <laughs> Those technical there. issues from Bo are brought to you by a basement. Yeah, oh, Bo, no. It's really audio bad. cutting in and out a little bit. You're back oh, now, but it was, it, was, it was pretty bad there for a second. <laughs> well, let me restart. So if you just want to go, go past the point where you said uh, Wanda, I think everything else was very, uh, very Ultron-esque. Oh, sick. Well, I was just basically spitting off the dome anyway, so none of that really mattered. I'm going to go with Wanda just because <laughs> uh, it started with her and it, and it ended with her. And uh, the, the Scarlet Witch uh, has had a very cool character development through these past events. I don't know why I'm kind of reviewing this as if this is the last thing that we're reading. Uh, but it is a really cool kind of Bendis-era character uh, development for her. So, um, yeah. Uh, Scarlet Witch. <laughs> for for you, those Joey? reasons and the ones you didn't hear. <laughs> what about you, Joey? Who's your favorite character? 
I tried to slip in the Scarlet Witch vote before Bo took it, um, but I, I I will refrain from from doubling down on a character um, since we've yet to do that. Even though you know, like I said, there's no rules here; we can do whatever we want. But this is tough. Um, I feel like you know, there's there's some options here this week that are okay. You know, they've hopped in here and there, but they just in terms of like characters that were present throughout the run with a big um you know impact on things i'm going to go kind of another way um i'm i'm not taking a character that was necessarily good or you know helping the heroes throughout this i'm going to take the character that i mentioned i saw becoming scarier and scarier and more powerful and more powerful and who i kind of hoped wound up being the big bad other than cyclops i'm gonna take emma frost as my character of the week because i think i i just i've not read you know said this infinity times since we've started the podcast not read too many x-men comics so i haven't known too much about emma frost um but from the last few events that we've read she's popped up here and there and, and this story in particular we got you know her at the forefront of things Got to see her relationship with Scott a little bit. Got to see her, you know, some of her past things um, that she was going around, you know, killing this these people that uh, had done wrong, done mutants wrong in the past. And um, she, we just see her kind of lose control and, and see how powerful she could truly become. Um, and, and like I said, she was just terrifying. And, and I, I loved it. I'm so. very, very upset because... Before we were coming into this, you know, I always try to prep myself at least a little bit. So I had my characters picked, and I said, for me, I could always talk about how much I love Wanda. Because she was a, a, while she wasn't a big part of the actual, like, on-the-page story, she was a big part of the story from start to finish, where she was starting to be accepted. She's kind of the one that caused all this, you know, and all this, this, this growing stuff. And... I kind of led Bo into it, and which is okay. And I was like, I'll just go to my second one, which is the Brady special. Picking the villain that has the deepest plot. And I'll just go with the conniving, as soon as she got power, kill the Avengers, and go to Emma Frost. And both of those were the two on, on that, that came out of your mouth. So I'm actually going to take a cop-out answer this round, and I'm going to go, my favorite character was the Phoenix Force. The actual Phoenix Force itself, because the Phoenix Force made, you know, this is its first appearance since Jean Grey incident. It's coming in. It's trying to jump into whoever it can, wants hope. But, you know, hey, if I get split, I'm going to take the these five with me and really kind of kind of, you know, develop this new this new age and this whole, whole new series. So I'm going to take the cop out answer and go Phoenix Force. Well, Brady's definitely going to regret us going first <laughs> in future episodes. Because, uh, yeah, that's exactly how that played out. That's funny. Uh, but I think that just kind of solidifies that we made some good choices. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And Brady took, I believe, what is one of the only uh, things that there is only one of in the Marvel Universe. The Phoenix Force is one of those forces or entities that, like, it is the culmination of that force in all universes, past, present, different multiverses. It's like in all of the multiverse, there is one Phoenix. Uh, oh, Brady, I, I think wish, you win. I wish you were, I wish you were right about that, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody hasn't read the rest of the Jason Aaron Avengers run yet. 
No, Bo, this is true, man. This is how the Phoenix works. There is oh, one Phoenix Force. Oh, it's there it's may absolutely be uh, not. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Doing, doing quick uh, research here. Let's see here. Uh, Phoenix Force but character biography. The Phoenix Force is an immortal and immutable manifestation of the universal force of life and passion. The Phoenix Force is a creation of the universe that was born of the void between states of being. It is the nexus of all psionic energy of the past, present and future in all realities of the multiverse. I just, I, well, you know what? Let's, uh, let's just, we'll, we'll revisit this. We'll save that quote and, uh, we'll, we'll talk more later. Okay. And I think, I think I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the, uh, multiversal masters of evil or whatever that group is called. That's part of it. That's part of it. Yeah. Yes. I, I did read part of this where there's like a Phoenix of some kind in that, Doctor Doom group with I, I can't it's been so long since I've been down this Jason Aaron uh current Avengers run. Yeah, there there is a Phoenix there. There's a there's a couple more. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Phoenixes. Whoop whoop. What was the what was the noise you made for a Phoenix earlier, Brady, when it first came in? Was it a caca? Yeah, it was like a raven, but like a Phoenix, you know? Right. Yeah. Like a Phoenix. Guys, exactly, just like a phoenix. Guys, good, good comicking. Yeah, it's an excellent week. Um, I'm assuming we're coming up with a bonus episode for next week. I'm not sure who's up, but that will be enjoyable, and we will uh, start deciding what we're going to be reading next for our comics. So, I believe for Bo those has the next uh, bonus episode. And and Bo, do you happen to know what what are we reading two weeks from now? Do you rem- I think it's Age of Ultron. Is that correct? Uh. Sounds right. Um, see the uh, age of the show description on, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and it will show you the list of things that we're going to read. It sure will. Absolutely. And until next time, everybody, we appreciate you sticking around. Please follow all of our socials, whether there's stuff there or not. There will be hopefully soon. And uh, send send Bo some love for his uh, his sickness and his uh, his basement. So. Love you all. Peace and uh, have a wonderful comic-y week. No more Avengers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Comics Over Coffee. Please be sure to join in again next Saturday morning for another exciting episode. If you have questions for the host or would like to be featured on an episode, please write in to comicsovercoffeepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to my fellow co-hosts Bo and Brady and a very special shout-out to our artist Emily Rich. All right, let me. I'm gonna splash uh, a top off into my coffee mug real quick. Yeah, I was gonna say if there was some creamer in here, this would be dope. But oh, you're not talking about creamer top off, are you, Joseph? No, he does the black coffee stuff. I think he's topping off with Irish whiskey, it's like a boss. That'd be that'd be sick. <laughs>